All right, everyone, we have to get straight to the show today. There's no time to waste. The Earth is in trouble. Because, of course, you are listening to Network Special, the only podcast you need to listen to to hear about the golden age of appointment-based television when you used to have to watch what was on, when it was on, but now, thanks to the glory and the magic of the internet, we can watch these things again and again, and we will be talking about the Earth Day special, first seen on ABC on April 22nd, 1990. I am one of the co-hosts of this show. My name is Zachariah, and I am here with my other delightful co-host, who... Father C. Nathan Shear. And whom is my Earth Papa sitting in the production booth? Jeremy J. Demery. What's, your What's name? the J stand for? Yeah. Jams. No, I'm just kidding. Wait, right. is your, is your middle off, name turn Jeremy? Turn off the comedy faucet is, for a minute, Jeremy. Is your middle name Jeremy spelled the correct way? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's Jeremy spelled like an art student with a J-H, like you're some California hippie. And then G-H. in the middle, G-H, sorry. <laughs> Thank you for the correction. Was not looking forward to the emails. This is a big one. You guys, this is a special that is packed with every single celebrity from 1990. There are neck-breaking tonal changes in this thing as it goes from a drama about a dying Mother Earth to documentary segments to uh, cartoon breaks to clips from other shows to uh what else do we have? Fourth, Music videos? Like pe- fourth wall breaks? <laughs> it's all people- there. People watching the show we're watching. Yes, right. <laughs> you want it? It's in this thing somewhere in a seemingly random order. And here to make sense of all of this, what some would argue is too much special for two hours, is our guest. He is a TV writer and an executive producer and a regular producer of shows like Cheers, Frasier, and Modern Family. He is a published author. He is a a teacher. He is uh, going on a lecture soon in South Africa to teach other people how to be raving successes in the world of entertainment. But most importantly, it is this crown jewel that he is, and I will phrase this very carefully, he is a credited writer on the Earth Day special. Please welcome Mr. Dan O'Shannon. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm very happy to be here. Thank you. Yes. That smattering of applause is (laughs) well-deserved. It it actually is, yes. (laughs) Is there... Is there a lot of overlap between the entertainment industries in South Africa and America? Not yet. But, Not uh, yet. <laughs> when I'm, ask me when I get back. You won't have mm-hmm. to, actually. <laughs> yeah. We'll just know. Yeah. It's some crazy writer's retreat they've asked me to do for a couple of years. People in South Africa, not people here, have asked me to go there. Uh, but they've invited me a number of times, and I've always said no. And this year, they just got me on a weekday, and they promised I'd see elephants. And I said, all right, I'll go. And I re- I've regretted it every day and will continue to <laughs> until I go there in September. But that's on, your ri- that's on your writer for everything you do is I want to see an elephant. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And by the way, so far, zero elephants. Are you kidding me? No, no one listens to me. No one reads my writer. That's why you ditch oh, every project. Absolutely. Halfway yeah. through. Cheers. That's like the no brown M and M. You're just testing. <laughs> yeah, did they <laughs> see read if they're the reading the writer? <laughs> yeah. So April twenty second, nineteen ninety. Where oh, yes. are you? It was a time known as the Jazz Age. Sure, You're very different from now. <laughs> yep, moonshine uh, flew through the street. <laughs> we would uh, dance the Charleston until the cows came home. And um, we uh, let's see. I, back then, okay, 
I was a writer on Cheers. I was writing and producing Cheers at the time. And that's where I was. Okay. And what season of Cheers was that? I don't... If it was 1990, yeah. we ended in 93. It was 11 years. So season like, uh, season eight or nine, something like that. Okay. And so the show had been on uh, eight years by the time this came on. And not to skip ahead into the special or anything, but one thing I'm sure we'll be talking about is that there are uh, scenes from different sitcoms of the day talking about... And, and in the scenes, they're all watching this on TV. And the big mistake that they make among many, many, many mistakes, is that they, they, you know, Cheers, like I said, had been on nine years, Married with Children had been on a while, Golden Girls, all these shows, and America had never seen them without the studio audience having their own audio input to the show. And so it's very, and they don't have it at all. They're playing to, to, to emptiness. And so it's very strange to see the, the, these characters and all these shows doing these hard jokes that are meant to make an audience laugh, and then there's this, like, horrible dizzying moment of silence before the next straight line comes. And, uh, and so even if the material is witty and it's very hard to judge because we're so used to hearing that thing that's now gone, which is any kind of positive affirmation, um, that those, those spots just lie there. You know, it's just really just not well thought at all. We could have easily shot those at the end of a shoot night at the end of a show, tell the audience stick around. We're going to shoot this one more scene for this special and you'll be part of the soundtrack, blah, blah, blah. But uh, why they didn't do it? No idea. Seeing a three had there, camera. Had there been, sorry. It's okay. Oh, is it going to be like had this there, all night? Uh. It probably will be, sorry. <laughs> okay. Had there been, um, now there's always comedies with no laugh track. Had there been any yet? Like what was the first oh, comedy? Oh, well, yeah, sure, sure, absolutely. With yeah. no laugh track. Oh, well, you go way back. I mean, like, um, well, MASH uh, was a show that had a laugh track oh, and sure. then they fought to get rid of the laugh track. So in the last few years, uh, no laugh track. But I mean, shows like The Wonder Years had been on at that time, no laugh track. Um, and so, so but with this, like a, in the sitcom format of, well, you know, multi. Well, not in multicam. In multicam, it's, it's just our, our eyes are so used to seeing it. We're so used to experiencing with it. It would just be very weird because, yeah. I mean, I'll, very briefly, and I know we're starting the show with a tangent, so I will very, be very quick, but <laughs> but sitcoms come from two different places. There are literally two different kinds of sitcoms. The ones that are evolved from movies, though the single camera, they're shot out of sequence and there's no audience and no expectation. And then the, the multicam that has a stage there and clearly a studio audience, which is descended from the theater. And for that kind of show, it is understood, and it's never expressed, but it is innately understood, we are watching the recording of a play happening in front of right. an audience. So to do that kind of format, that kind of lighting, that kind of style of acting, that big acting for an audience without the audience is very jarring. It literally is part of the DNA of that kind of sitcom. All right, back to your show. Well, I was actually going to ask, and I'm sorry if you've been asked this uh, a million times on every podcast you go on, and I am just going by the infamously unreliable IMDb mm -hmm. scroll. Um, Cheers is the first major thing I see that you have a written by credit on as a, a, a writer. I see you're on Newhart. Yeah. But were you a, a staff writer on Newhart? Uh, I was. I was a story editor on Newhart. It's an okay. odd little thing, but I was a writer, and uh, and I had written on shows before that. Newhart was the first sort of big show. And I'm responsible for the finale of Newhart, which was kind of notorious. Um, uh, and then I went from there to Cheers and on and on. But I, I'd been writing, by the time I got to Cheers, I started in 85, I got to Cheers in 89, I think. So uh, okay. so yeah, I, I'd been writing a bunch of 
bunch of stuff before then, yeah. So my main question was going to be, it's easy to see the leap of how you get hired uh, onto Cheers from something like Newhart, but how did you get in the door in Newhart itself? Uh, Newhart, by the time I got to Newhart, I had been already staffed on some shows that are long forgotten, and I'd done freelance episodes, which you could do more of back then. And uh, one of the shows I did a freelance episode was called The Charmings. Do you know about this show? Yes, I do. Yes, I freelance. Actually, I did the Halloween episode. Nate thank and I you, have, thank sent, you. have sent each other clips from The Charmings. I before. wonder if any are mine. Uh, <laughs> I wrote what became the Halloween episode, and I was very ill suited for that show, and for for you know everybody out there. I, I, uh, I know that everyone out there is familiar with The Charmings, but can you give the quick <laughs> elevator pitch for that show? Oh, sure, sure. Um, it's a, the idea is that Snow White and uh, a dwarf and her husband and I think the magic mirror from the original Snow White story were put in a deep sleep and they wake up in suburban 1980s and have to make a go of it, uh, living among <laughs> regular 1980s suburban couples. And um, – oh, oh, it's so funny. And uh, – <laughs> And I, I was very ill-suited for this, and but I got a, I got a gig writing the episode, and uh, I was told as as I was getting notes on the first draft through the second draft, they they kind of chided me, and they said, yeah, they literally said, would a magic mirror say that? And I was like, I, 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 I don't know, I don't have a magic mirror. <laughs> um, but I also, I mean, I. Uh, but would I, he be so racist? I wrote. I also. I pitched. <laughs> I pitched for Punky Brewster. If you remember that. Yeah. And oh, yeah. Uh, I, my, at the time, I was writing with a guy named Tom Anderson uh, from uh, Rocky River now, and um, and he and I went and pitched to Punky Brewster. And during the, and we were all excited about. It. We were young kids, you know. And it's like oh, a big network TV show. And we took a bus to get into Burbank, and we you know had all these pitches all written out. And the guy who we're pitching to sort of makes us realize halfway through that he's not going to buy anything. He doesn't like anything we're doing. He has some bad reason and why we couldn't do it. And he, he kind of lets us know he's that we're only there as a favor to our agent, that he owed the, our agent a favor. Well, I don't know why he did that. But we leave and we're very demoralized. And we decide we're at NBC. And so, well, let's eat at the NBC commissary. And, and, and then we'll tell the people back in Painesville, Ohio, yeah, we ate uh, lunch at NBC today. Just, you know, save a little bit of dignity. <laughs> and we're in the commissary. And I, I go to clear off a, a, a tray that's on a table there because it's a cafeteria type thing. And I'm, I'm, I'm throwing out the stuff. And, and on this tray was a, a carton of orange juice, which splashed and left a neon yellow stain on the lap of my white pants. By the way, white pants. Um, and so now I, I, I have bombed out at Punky Brewster and to the eyes of the world wet myself. And now we have to walk <laughs> back to this bus and take the bus like two miles back or right. eight miles back to the apartment we were staying in. And oh. where I'm not the only guy with that stain. So much yeah. I didn't like me. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm it really was. I can't, but, but it really was one of those turning moments <laughs> is if we can't get into to pitch and write Punky Brewster, do we have any business being out here? You know, uh, but but you know, just just luck happened, and we worked hard, and finally met people. We freelanced a bunch. I, I met a couple of writers who had been on Newhart. We wrote a spec Newhart back then. You would write a, a, a pick a show you liked and write a script for it, as though you were writing an episode, and that would be your calling card. And so um, the spec Newhart got us on Newhart. At the same time, we had written a spec Cheers, and the people at Cheers saw it, and they ended up making an episode out of it. Actually, they turned it into two episodes because there were two stories in it. So there's one where Cliff is on Jeopardy and then some other one. I can't remember. But they turned our spec script into episodes and had us. they brought us on to staff. So just tenacity so, is your answer of yeah. how you got it. Yeah, and, and extreme luck. Really, truly luck. Sure. Okay, I want to talk now. Please. <laughs> Can we- can can you okay, okay can you explain what you mean by I'm responsible for the finale of New Heart? Well, first of all, <laughs> did you come you, up with the idea? 
Are you familiar? Are, are you familiar with it? Yeah, it's it, they 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 wake up, they right? Wake and up. then he wakes up with Suzanne Pleshette from the first series. Up, right, you don't know what you're talking she, about. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm, don't I pretend I, you know I, anything about TV. Um, I just no, yeah, I read yeah. it on Wikipedia. I'm sorry. Well, no, I'll tell you. Sorry. It's, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's uh, I had uh, seen the finale of Saint Elsewhere recently and St. Elsewhere yeah. the end of the show it turns out that the entire series had been the uh, daydream yeah. essentially of an autistic character looking at a snow globe and so I went right. into work and I said hey wouldn't it be great if our character gets knocked in the head this is you know Bob Newhart's character and rather than wake up you know, you know, he wakes up with his first wife from the first series and turns out the entire second series is a dream from the first character. And we end the, with the old right. style credits and this and that. And uh, uh, we went ahead and did it. And then um, then Bob Newhart came to the executive producers. I wasn't executive producer then. And, and said, did I ever tell you my wife yeah. thought of this idea? And they were like, she did? And he said, yeah. And then since then, that's been the story. That Bob's wife had thought of it. <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. You are well, – you are uh, – yeah, one of the greats. Well, the, oh, way, the, the way he broke the news is he pretended to be on the phone with her, right? <laughs> yeah. Huh? Wow, Honey, I love that. <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> oh, boy. Wow. Well, I mean, look, we can talk about these blips in showbiz history. Uh, these cheers, the big stuff, yeah. these also yeah, yeah. rans. Let's talk the Earth Day special. Yeah. I, I kind of, I mean, I, I guess chronologically is sort of how I'm going to start approaching it. But honestly, there's so much we can dive into. It, if whatever captures our fancy in sure, this show, sure. we can kind of go into. But we, like you said, Nathan, we enter into this world by watching a mirror of what's going on in our own living rooms because we see Rhea Perlman and Danny DeVito. <laughs> Danny DeVito in his full ponytail era, by the way. Mm. Kevin Love Costner has one too. Is a man bun later on. Yeah, a yeah, lot yeah. of yes. great long locks yeah. in this yeah. in this uh, in this show. Um, they are not. They're playing Paula and Vic. Th this is one of the things with this show is that sometimes celebrities are celebrities, mm -hmm. and other times they are everyday people. Yeah, which we know because they will say things like "Paula, I have to leave the house." Not yeah. Rhea Perlman. Yeah, uh, that, <laughs> and also it's not only confusing because she's. Rhea Perlman playing a different character that's not from Cheers, which is a scene we see that from later, yeah. is that she and Danny <laughs> DeVito had played a couple in Taxi. Yes. And and yet he's not his Taxi character either. So it's this it, kind of like they're, they're none of the characters they've ever played before watching scenes from it – was, it's a bit nuts. And at this point, were they married the in only, real life? Uh, yeah. Yeah, they were. Okay, and they were actually a real and life just, they were couple. Maybe, maybe they didn't know they were being filmed. Maybe this was <laughs> – just These a night at the Pearl for each other. DeVito home. Yeah. <laughs> and they're the only um, celebrity break. Like where usually we – all of the uh, at-home viewers that are like us that we see in the show, they're the only ones who are not actually playing their characters from the show. All the other ones are just That's like famous families, right? True. All the other families that we see watching the show are the Bundys or the Cosbys or other famous families. Yes. Yeah, on their, on their the shows. The Golden Girls. Yeah. Yeah, right. There's, yeah. There's so much, there's so much happening in this. I was, and I was kind of bummed um, that in the beginning in the credits, they show exact every single person that's going to be in this only because it, because I forgot a lot of the people mm -hmm. and every time it would happen, I would be surprised like, Oh my yeah. God, this person's in this. Yeah. So I kind of wish they would have like 
credit did the credits at the end as a nice little yeah well because it's just so many twists and turns this was also the era this was i think toward the end of the era where grown-ups were perfectly happy pretending that puppets and cartoon characters were real performers and so you have cast in order of appearance (laughs) and literally the rhea perlman porky pig You know, and we yeah. were okay. ET is in this, and ET as though ET is an actor playing ET, or is it ET is yeah. it's very confusing and weird. But uh, and you know, so you have this. This it is such a mishmash. Then Bugs Bunny is on toward the beginning. It says nothing light or funny. Basically, says the world sucks and goes into his hole. And that's like it's, that, it's insane. What I love Can about Bugs about Bunny is feeling? how strident he is about his feelings on man. <laughs> <laughs> Can we talk about that feeling like? throughout the throughout this like this is it has its like moments and stuff but it really is like a doomsday like yeah uh get off your ass <laughs> what are you doing like throughout this whole thing the fact that in the, the fact that bugs bunny and porky pig and tweety bird or whoever yeah <laughs> they're they're just like out of the freaking gate, they are taking shots at the viewer well, and <laughs> like, it, straight away. Also, it's like, where are we supposed to land tonally? It's like you were saying at the beginning of this thing. You know, at some point, they kind of want us to take seriously two things. One, the real thing, which is the earth is being destroyed and we can do something about it. That's underneath the whole thing. Yeah. Two, dramatically, they want us to care about Mother Earth dying. So dramatically, yeah. that's the thing we're supposed to be pulling for. And then you have Porky Pig and Tweety. The Porky stuttering and Tweety's, I taught, I taught, whatever, you know? And it's like, I don't, how am I supposed to get into any of those mindsets when you're bombarding me from every direction? I, I think it's fair that you want this thing to have, um, like you say, like a, a doomsday tone or, or address serious subjects. But whenever you come to putting the sugar on on the cake with like humor or asides, you really get into the problem where this is written by th- 35 different people with 35 different approaches of how to strike that balance. And with every segment going a maximum of four or five minutes Mm -hmm. in a two hour special, you're just kind of thrown violently around in all of these different ways of presenting the information. Sometimes it is just a straight up terrifying montage of pollution and dead animals. And then, like you said, you get to see uh, a porky pig. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, I think it's also the problem of trying to appeal to every age demographic yeah. because I saw a ad that was played, I'm assuming during Saturday morning programming, and the ad is literally, see Bugs Bunny, Porky Pig, Tweety Bird, and E.T. in yeah. the Earth Day special. And I was going, boy, there are some children <laughs> yeah. oh, very disappointed They're all excited. They're popcorn. They're ready, you know. And, and uh, oh, and uh, the Muppets are in there. And uh, right. oh, it's just, it is the end of the world. There's a there's a great line yeah. from uh, Frazier that was written by a writer named John Sherman. And uh, Frazier's putting on a show and he keeps adding to it and adding to it. And someone reminds him, he says, you know, Frazier, less is more. And Frazier says, yes, but if less is more, think how much more more will be. And that to me feels like the the sort sure. of the guiding <laughs> principle of, of this show. It's insane. I also, I never thought about it until now, but uh, – Do you – Rhea Perlman and Danny DeVito's uh, – Danny DeVito does, is a typical man who does not want to watch a show about nature. He has a very pressing appointment that we're never told where he has to go. I guess he has to – Pay a mobster money or something. Poker. Real, yeah. Poker. <laughs> Perlman has. He wants to play poker with his, with his friends. Yeah, play, play poker. Oh, yeah, because okay. Rick Moranis and, uh, yeah. Right, right, right. And, I forgot yeah, that he, it's revealed then he, later. Then he dreams about it later. Yeah. Um, but those those two people are also warring in my head because I don't want to watch this, but I do have a moral obligation. Um, so they do a good job, I guess, of uh, mirroring what's inside me. Mm-hmm. Um, 
<laughs> do you can you can you say um, what um, we can say whatever segments we want. you wrote or? <laughs> well, I it's, it's kind of the joke of the whole thing to me is that. Uh, and by the way, we, we talk about – and we're going to make fun of this thing from here to the moon and back. But, you know, the truth is – I mean, their hearts were in the right place. You know, and it's they were yeah. doing – in the 90s, their best to speak to everyone. It was a little misguided. It was, you know, insane. And it's hilarious now from our point of view. But but then they they really – they meant very well. And it's I want to sort of point that out. Um, but the, yeah. the thing that's kind of the joke to me is that um, – you know, I was on the staff of Cheers and we wrote one little segment for this thing. I okay. don't remember if I contributed any lines that got – I might have done the thing about Norm <laughs> using his uh, – recycling and being able to buy a car with all the money he'd get from beer cans or something. I, that might have been me and I'm not yeah. 100% sure. But what gotcha. happened was because I was on the staff – when Cheers did a piece of that. And the entire staff of the Golden Girls gets credited when there's a scene from the Golden Girls, the entire staff of uh, 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 Married with Children, et cetera, it's at Cosby. So what happens now, you have dozens and dozens and dozens of writers uh, who have now contributed to this special. And at the end of the year, there's the Writers Guild Awards, and one of the categories is, you know, a best variety special, and all the writers get to vote. So, of course, every writer in Hollywood <laughs> voted for themselves. We all got this free award. Right. And, and I don't deserve it. I can't, I can't put it on my wall or anything, but it's just this, this odd little thing that I have, you know. Anyway, so that, so so my actual involvement, I I was busy doing the show proper. I mean, we were there till midnight and later every night, rewriting and 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 producing this show and putting it on week after week. This was this was filmed during the TV season, so it wasn't like on a break or something. So it really was one wow. of those things where someone came in the room and says, "Guys, the network wants you to do this. It's really important to them." And and we spent uh, maybe twenty minutes writing this thing. And I'm sure all the other staffs yeah. were the same. You know, it was, and we all rolled our eyes because yes, it's a good idea, but we had so much work to do all the time. And every now and again, we had to write a promo for the Super Bowl or a promo for the Olympics or whatever using our characters. Um, but it was always better than having advertising people come in and write them because those were horrible. You know, um, do they come in and go, okay, uh, we want the Cheers cast to talk about recycling, write a, write a bit. Um, I think they gave us choices. It could be about recycling. It could be about this. It, could be, it had to have to do with Earth Day, and we were given suggestions. Okay. And one of them was the recycling thing, and what each what and, and it was supposed to be about what each of us could do, you know, and and them kind of playing with those ideas. And so we did that. And uh, like I say, it was just a thing that we did in an afternoon, sometime between ten other things we were doing. And um, I, I think of all those sitcoms, I think I think. Married with Children probably did the best because they because they never because they didn't learn which was like the, the you know the Bundys yeah. they they joke about helping out and they joke about it and then they realize oh the, the Earth is going to die in hundred years that's not what are we doing and they go back to being themselves <laughs> and that was so on brand for their show is that they refused to learn you know uh, so I that was the best great. segment I think I thought it so. was the it, it was the funniest I think like truly funny segment of I the think, thing I think that was genuinely there the rest were like unintentionally funny like there's a great line in the Golden Girls one where it's like save that polystyrene because it could be used for things that are more permanent like videotape uh, cases and like <laughs> oh, no <laughs> what do we think about the person who's kind of uh, helping string this entire thing along which is Robin Williams playing a character called Everyman uh, which involves wait Robin I just Williams got that doing <laughs> Yeah, it's like it's like Pilgrim's Progress, but it is Robin Williams 
doing his kind of like southern voice. Not quite sure why he's preacher. doing it. But there's a, there's a preacher, preacher, kind of like a radio preacher type, you know, a televangelist yeah. type thing. And he was doing that a lot in his act back then. That's true. This you know? is not quite 1992 ruler of all media, Robin. I mean, he's very famous. He's done yeah. like – He did Mork and Mindy's done with that. Sure. So, this is so, his Awakenings Dead Poet Society year. Yeah, so yeah. he's getting to be serious Robin Williams. Right. Right. Um, but he does a, a what I would say a, is a loose five right up front where right. he does a and long way, bit I, about the environment. I believe a lot of those jokes had been from his act around that time too. Okay. You know, some of it and some of it was probably ad libbed on the spot. They probably did a number of takes and pieced it all together because he was very much like that. Um but you know, I just I feel like it's just it's it's leaden, it falls flat. I don't I don't find it I don't find his stand up funny, but I would have to go back and ask we'd have to go back and find people have, who have been frozen since 1990 and have them watch it because it's impossible for us to kind of enjoy it the way <laughs> 1990sers I, might have. So I watched this as a 10-year-old and I remember going, I like Robin Williams and I don't like this bit. Yeah, yeah. Like I did not think I, it was funny. <laughs> I don't know that I would have either, but I, you know, it's like it's also that plus another 32 years. Right. You know? I mean, I can't really defend it. But also one one interesting little side note is, is that you know, you say that each scene is like like four or five minutes. Um, this is sort of the tail end of when television had longer scenes, hmm. you know, is before MTV like had re- – I mean MTV started with the video thing. But as far as TV shows, it was Seinfeld that began this this practice of doing very short scenes, particularly in multicam shows. And uh, it changed sitcoms. Hmm. You know, people say, oh, it changed sitcoms because of the show about nothing. That didn't change anything and there had been shows about nothing. The way uh, Seinfeld changed it is – Instead of doing six scenes a show, which was standard for us back then, they were doing 20 scenes a show. It had never been heard of on a multicam. And um, and so mm. go, going back and watching shows from just before that, the scenes do just seem to go on and on. People – you're just forever in these sets, you know. And But but that was the pace then, you know. It's it's odd bit of, you know, museum uh, theater. So Seinfeld kind of – Without broadcasting, it appealed more to a modern viewer, ADD, kind of trained people into that rhythm without them knowing it. Yes, and it was almost accidental because the conventional wisdom on a, a multicam was that you you do like six to maybe ten uh, scenes a show because you've paid for whatever sets and you can't really go outside. And Seinfeld uh, was fortunately written and run by people who had never done sitcoms before. Mm-hmm. And they had four characters that neither lived nor worked together. So they start following them out into the world and dovetailing stories and stitching things together. So they would go out for a scene and it would be two lines and then and you're on to another scene. And in multi, I remember sitting with other multicam writers watching an episode of Seinfeld with a pad and pencil and like making tally marks and counting the scenes. We thought the TV would explode. It was all high, 20 scenes, what's going on? You know? <laughs> huh. um, and then what happened is it, it reinvigorated the sitcom, which was becoming very stale at that time. And so suddenly shows like Friends, shows like whatever was on at the air that time, um, they had that now in the toolkit. And it engages the viewer very differently because you now have to, okay, we're over there now. Oh, now we're over here. Now that that ties in with this over there. And and when you actively engage a viewer in constructing the show in their head, you are going to get a more engaged audience. And it, it woke up the hmm. series. Right. Well, we weren't there yet with this show. Sorry. No, no we were not. We, no, we were not. We were not. We were in, we were in the old – we were in the old. Let's take our time. We don't have to worry about cable. We don't have to worry about the internet. We let can. That, we're TV. We can let do that. Whatever. Tube warm up so I can really see Mother Earth. And by the way, Mother Earth comes in at minute five of Robin Williams talking about how wonderful man is. I'm just going to talk about kind of the the thread that connects this show, yeah. and then we can break into our our right. individual thoughts mm-hmm. on bits and bobs. But 
Bette Midler comes in uh, in a, a giant godlike form. She has trash all over her. She's Mother Earth and she's sick. Uh, if they had given Bette Midler, I realize she's supposed to be playing the pathos of the Earth dying, but you need to give her something a little funny or uh, uh, maybe a song <laughs> to go to lean into as it's Bette Midler who oh, but, can do both those things well. But do you have a song with Bette Midler and Barbara Streisand in the same show? <laughs> I did forget to say that when Rhea Perlman is, is lecturing Danny DeVito that she she wants him to watch this show because it's important. And then the first thing we see is three minutes of Epcot style like space footage and Barbara Streisand singing a song to us. I was like, wow, Danny DeVito must be hooked right now. Well, let me ask you this. Here's an interesting – it just popped into my head. She is saying, you know, we've got to watch this show. It's important. But then we go to there's like stuff going on and Mother Earth is going to die, which is being on the news. It's not a show. Yes. It's a news report of a thing that is happening. So at what point is – what were they watching before? So are we watching had- the Time Warner presents the Earth Day special on ABC or did she know, well, there's going to be – I forgot to say that Robin Williams is also playing every man. He's in the middle of town square. Talking about how great men are. Yes, are which looks like the background on American's Funniest Home <clears throat> Videos, that weird eternal sunset <laughs> yeah, suburb. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and all the extras who are credited around him can't speak because it'll bump their pay. So it's very creepy that Robin Williams is orating and this crowd of people is just silently like shuffling around him. Yeah, very – It's it, the whole thing is weird. Yeah, and it's – is it kind of like it was – Going to be the Earth Day special, but then this thing happened with Mother Earth, almost like a War of the Worlds thing. You know, we interrupt this program to show you that Mother Earth is dying. Wait, but you're interrupting the Time Warner Earth Day? I I don't know what they think they're watching on TV. I mean, except for news coverage. And then it's like the cast of – then everyone's watching the news coverage of this thing. But before that, it's like, what is this show that they have to watch? That this is like Inception. <laughs> yeah, figure out the reality that's actually playing it's, out. You know what? I actually think it's better than Inception. Well, I just, I'm, <laughs> I'm really, I'm really impressed with the um, the people who live in this town. Who, first of all, they're being ve- like, I feel like they're a little. Um, I don't want to say dumb, but they're a little small-minded in that they're being very influenced by Robin Williams very easily to um, conclude that man is the best thing that's ever happened to to the world. But then later on, they're like um, like Carl Sagan's holding court, and they're all just calmly pay attention to him do a segment from PBS. Like, yeah. like they're very like like they change very quickly, and Sheep. they learn from. Information and a whole new, a whole new uh, world we've never experienced in a, in a while. I assume that this is kind of an alternate dimension where Robin, Robin Williams is heading all of these people who are actually his drones. So whenever he turns his head, they all turn their head, and they're they're just kind of going along with it. They carry out his whims, but they learn with him. Well, he is every man, so yeah. he he is they, they are he, you right. know. And then Carl Sagan, who is That's right. someone else. <laughs> Not part of every man, a different man uh, gets to then address them. So that's the overarching idea is that uh, Mother Earth comes to Earth to die, I guess. Well, she comes, she comes to, to yell hospital. at Robin Williams. Yes, but then And she, then in the middle of yelling yeah. at him, oh, you know. And then she turns in from God size into human size. And then they put her in human hospital <laughs> where she is looked after by uh, uh, Josh Brolin. And, uh, and Doogie Howser. And Doogie Howser. Doogie Howser. Right. Yeah, yeah. And the Not woman Josh. from China Beach. Dana Delaney. Uh, yeah, Dana Delaney. Is it Josh Brolin or James Brolin? Which well, one's which? Who cares? 
Who's the dad? Who's the dad? It was the most affordable Brolin. It was James Brolin, by the way. <laughs> Classically, your most affordable Brolin. Uh, so that's who, who's that's what's happening. Edward, Edward, Edward James, James almost. almost I yeah. love who's his he character. He is playing the one person in this universe who hates Mother Earth and doesn't give a shit <laughs> if she dies. He comes in like, "Don't give me that god and country nonsense." Yes. Mother Earth dies. She Wait, dies. Also, him and also um, uh, Dustin Hoffman. Hoffman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every lawyer. Who's playing every lawyer? He's playing every lawyer. Those are the two. But but who is okay? So Doogie Hauser is obviously playing is Doogie Hauser's character, probably. Right, right, but yeah. Who, uh, yeah, I'm assuming. I think they call him Doctor uh, Hauser at some point. Okay. Yeah, but is Continuity. Edward James almost a character on TV? Like, is he a detective or something on a TV show at this time, and he's playing that character? Or, yeah, he was on the detective series Mother Hater. <laughs> he, he hates everyone <laughs> named Mother. That's right. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. The best kind of detective. <laughs> <laughs> That's the overarching. Does anyone have individual segments that they really particularly struck them? Nathan, did you have anything that really honked out at you? Well, you know, I love the Epcot uh, music and montages. Those are always special sure. in my heart. And also, I, I love any time we break away from white society and head into the hip hop, hip hop, urban attitude. That's always my favorite. Sure. As a because as a kid, that would have been my favorite parts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was I was thinking about what you said about um, like, do they write these raps? Because in the credits, they do say that they write the rap. But I was thinking like. Did they write? Did someone say, "Oh, here's what you should write about" or whatever? But you, but it makes sense what you're saying. Like, here's some ideas, and then whoever's tasked with writing segments. So these rappers did just write about whatever. And there's a funny line from Heavy D, where he rhymes something about he says something about Fisher dying, and then instead of saying um, Mother Earth is crying. Mother E is crying, which would rhyme to the line. He says, Father C is crying. And why does he bring up Santa Claus as part of the, why is Father Santa Christmas? Claus on par with Mother Earth? I don't, I really don't know. Father C. <laughs> wow, I've C. never heard that term for the ocean. Father C. No, father Father C. Yeah. Oh, I Mother think Earth. Father he, C. He's thinking Father oh, Christmas. It. Father Christmas. Holy Father cow. C. So you think that he was referring yes, to British I, Santa Claus? So that's like like what? Father Christmas. <laughs> do not set a tear. It's like it's like what Patsy <laughs> and Fonzie like, would have called Father right. Christmas. Right? <laughs> yeah. Hey, Father C. Right. That is totally it. Okay, now awesome. it makes all, now now Heavy D, Mr. Heavy D, rest in peace. I apologize. Father C. Father C. Yeah. Mother Earth. Father C. Sure. Uh, yeah, I, I wonder. Thought, yeah, you know, Mother Earth and Santa Claus are all together, but no, Father C, that makes sense. In some I guess. sort of Justice I, League. I've never heard Father C. <laughs> yeah. The one cameo yeah. they couldn't land was Santa Claus on this thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, I really liked, um, I mean, I liked, I, I we talked about it, but I loved the Married with Children segment. I loved that they didn't, they didn't. They didn't stray from their characters at all. They're just like the worst people in the world. And that was lots of fun. Um, but I, there's so, like like we said, there's so much happening. I love downtown Julie Brown being um, also a reporter on this news show. Yeah, they filmed the entire um, thing within the 15 minutes she was famous. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. And w- had she ever been a reporter or for MTV? Uh, yeah, yeah MTV News. <laughs> she, oh, she was a reporter on the news section. Um, I'm sure I they she had, had like her a on. dance show. I don't think they delineated like their hard news reporters <laughs> of MTV. <laughs> yes, and the people who went to like spring break. <laughs> Well, they didn't. They didn't have like Jesse doing MTV News. You know uh, what I mean? Like, no, I'm saying I, like, yeah. <laughs> I, I think she wasn't seen as a Polly Shore level goofball. <laughs> okay. Uh, Dan, what did you think? Was there things that worked for you and things that particularly did not work for you in either extreme? I think. I think like the the. Um, you know, like the, if I think if they'd done the sitcoms with audiences and if they'd somehow persuaded us to put a little more time into the writing, I think that could have been kind of interesting. And if they'd settled on a tone, but I think everything was so busy fighting itself that you could fix one part of it, but then the rest of it is still colliding against it. I mean, that 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 whole thing with Michael Keaton, where he is part of a corporation that is like, oh my gosh. is like polluting and destroying the planet. And now babies are being born deformed because of a chemical he's putting out there. And he's so ashamed. I mean, he won the lawsuit, <laughs> Michael, but I'm so ashamed. Michael Keaton gets up in that Sorry. gazebo that Robin yeah. Williams was speaking in. And he does what seems like an audition scene from uh, the from Spotlight. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, he monologue. is being so serious about this man who poisoned children, mm-hmm. and we've just gotten done seeing ET give a magical book to children in an alleyway. Yeah, and Doc yeah. Brown from uh, you know Back to the Future is flying all over. great Scott, you know, and then they're born deformed. <laughs> I'm so ashamed. You know, and also he had uh, high price, but he also won the case and now he's ashamed. Oh, are you going to give the money back? No, 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 no. I'm just ashamed. I'm rich and ashamed. Really? What are you going to do to give back? I'm just, I'm just ashamed. Okay. I got to go back in my helicopter. Hey, look, I'm I the s- one who has to sleep. I said night. I was sorry. <laughs> I said I was sorry. Okay. Yeah. I said it in front of ET and my Bialik. What do you want from me? Yeah. Oh yeah. So who, who so we had my Bialik. Uh, Jonathan Brandis, mm-hmm. Jack, Jack Lemon, and, of all people, was a coach. And Jack was a coach, Jack Lemon. Very like, strange. What, what's your sports yeah. team that Jack Lemon at the age of seventy is your coach? <laughs> He's this children's coach. He goes, yeah. oh, I'm gonna make sure we um, uh, don't uh, use so much water on the field. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he wouldn't retire. He, you know, these guys. I, I, look, I used to teach. These guys, they never retire. <laughs> but then, then there was also, um, isn't the the kid who plays Rufio? From Hook, uh, is that who it was? Or it's usually it? it's usually that's who he looks like. It's usually three children. It's Brandis Bialik, and then the other little boy who did the voice of Chucky in the first three Child's Play movies, and then occasionally <laughs> the kid who I don't. Why wasn't Chucky on this? No, <laughs> <laughs> even I have my limits. <laughs> what are you doing to the earth? <laughs> I know killing, and these plastic yeah. beer cans, oh brother. What do you think I'm made of? <laughs> I'm going to last forever. <laughs> Can I tell you about the scene that I thought was genuinely uh, well done, at yeah. least in terms of acting, was the Dustin Hoffman, Robin Williams two-person scene. Mm-hmm. It is a five-minute unbroken yes. two-person scene, and uh, it really is a testament to good acting can turn even the most thrown off writing around sometimes. Mm-hmm. Dustin Hoffman is so invested in playing this character mm-hmm. um, that he made me uh, uh, watch the scene with more attention than I paid most of the yeah. other. Um, and there's spit, it's spitfire. They are just going back and forth. No, like 
Yeah. Um, the pros. It just, it felt, it felt, uh, yeah, they are pros. The two I also liked the, um, yeah. the Meryl Streep. I thought that was, oh, like I was going to say, I, I that is I, the opposite. Go ahead, make your case. I just enjoyed these two. I could, once I saw, once I saw the man, but once I saw the ponytail, I was out. On Look, street. I agree. I agree. That <laughs> no, I wish. <laughs> I this okay. I'm not saying by any means that this was as good or any like. I, I'm saying I felt there was this feeling of like warmth. They're movie in this stars. Scene or something. Yeah, they know how to act. Of very course. Well. Yes. So yes, they are. They okay, are so it making worked. a meal. I, I don't know. Like, that's <laughs> I don't think the writing in that scene was uh, enough to get me. It's also very strange because, as we were saying with with tonage, we have. Robin Williams, he is every man. Dustin Hoffman, he is every lawyer. We are watching the the symbolism of corporations versus humanity, good versus indifference. And then we go to this scene with Kevin Costner and Meryl Streep where they are just playing two people in a bar. There's nothing metaphorical yes. about it. Kevin Costner <laughs> is very sweetly in aw shucks kind of delivery talking about how he recycles all his cans in the bar and he has a low-flow dishwasher. Uh, so <laughs> yeah. what is this like a church play or are we watching a, a very, slice of life? What well, I think oh, I have okay. a very low, uh, you know, I have a very low intelligence when it comes to being affected by things that are so obviously trying to affect you that I even, even, you know, like if people say like, Oh, like, like if someone cries in a movie, they're like so, a lot of, some might, people might say like, um, Oh, the music, everything in there was intended. All it was was just to make you cry. That's the point of it. And I'm like, yes, exactly. And it worked for me. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I didn't, I, I wasn't sitting there with the cynic, even though I'm as cynical about any of this stuff. Sometimes it bleeds through and it gets me. Yeah, Sorry. they did. I mean, the, no, no, I was no, weeping I, during this. I think they did the best <laughs> job of, of what they possibly could with that scene. I just, uh, it just seemed eternal yes, as he was yeah. talking about each step of how <laughs> was he was slow. going to recycle his goods. Right. There's also, it was very slow. <laughs> it, it's a very tricky task in this thing also. There's a, a cognitive uh, challenge to the idea that on the one hand, you're talking about the death of the planet. And they're ta- and Carl Sagan is talking about these, uh, you know, the reasons there are the whole, and it seems when you're laying out the problem, it seems it is a huge, fantastic problem. And then you go to the Huxtables saying, well, if we just don't take the lids off when we're cooking, you know, and it's like, <laughs> it's like, yeah, I guess if we're all doing these little things, but some of them seem so tiny and, and it seems almost laughable that this is going to say we're on the, we're hearing gloom and doom and the death of the earth. And just don't take the lids off when you're making spaghetti so much, you know, you're wasting that heat. You know, it's like, yeah, There's one, yeah but weird. There is one. There is one because I kept thinking, like, are they going to ignore the fact that none of this is going to solve our problem? That we actually need government and government action to solve these issues. And there is one, like, like one line I think in the entire show where it's like, someone goes, "Yeah, but we also need governments to get involved." And then, then they never touch on it ever again. I well, think Doogie Howser says uh, there was also uh, that was mentioned in the uh, the. Uh, Harold Ramis, uh, Martin Short. Oh, okay. They're bouncing back okay. and forth. And he says, so you think the government should get involved? I didn't say that. You said that. You know, they, they go through that. But it yeah. was mentioned to mention, but it was never really thoughtfully put out there, the fact that, yeah, we do yeah. need that, you know. Uh, but, uh, you know. <laughs> well, can I go kind of like in – in because I was thinking the same thing. Um, if I can just go very macro with it for a minute, because I was interested to see how Earth Day actually came to – 
B, mm-hmm. because by 1990, I was like, okay, who who was behind this whole movement? So it started in 1970. 1990 is a big deal because it is the 20th anniversary of Earth Day, and it is also the first international Earth Day. Uh, Earth Day was started um, kind of spearheaded by, by three big forces in America. Um, there was a, a senator from Wisconsin named Gaylord Nelson, who I'm sure had a horrible time in middle school, but he used all of that energy – to get real environmental actions started. He was using the energy that was used in the sit-ins in colleges against the Vietnam War, and he saw these and went, the only way that we're going to get environmental change is if we get young people and college students and get this whole wave of we need change in the world and harness that. Uh, And joining him was a Christian preacher named John McConnell and the United Auto Workers Union. So if you need some kind of perspective on how politically everything can change dramatically, we had a born-again Christian preacher and the auto worker industry going in favor of Earth Day and wow. environmentalism. Uh, they they organize all this. It is so uh, optimistic as it as it needed to be. It didn't seem ignorant but it was very optimistic and people were they were rejecting government contributions they were rejecting everything but people's personal donations that they sent to them they were like well we're going to get our message out through people and education and things like the whole earth catalog which was this big uh circulation that went out and it taught you how to compost and, and things like that fast forward 20 years to 1990 and this group of people who started Earth Day have split into two different groups. There is the Earth Day 20 Foundation, and there is Earth Day 1990. Earth Day 1990 is very much keeping with the same kind of like hippie, we all have to just get together and put this forward without the man kind of ideals. And they're very critical of Earth Day 20 which is the much more successful uh, (laughs) split group because they were responsible for producing a lot of stuff in this special. They are taking government foundations, and uh, one of the main people on their board of directors was the board from Hewlett-Packard, a company that at the time was the second biggest emitter of chlorofluorocarbons in Silicon Valley and refused to switch to alternative solvents. But they were taking their money and they were the big push forward. But when you have those kind of people on your board of directors, you're going to go a lot softer on the we need to put the thumb screws to corporations and to major business interests and a lot more on to, well, turn out the lights when you leave the room. You're the reason why this this earth is tanking. It's because you're sitting in that shower so long. Um, and I don't That's the whole thing of like carbon footprint being like, oh, that – we all talk about that now as like, oh yeah, we all do our part, but that's really like something that the corporations <laughs> came up with to like well, it's, make us think yeah. that it was our fault again. It's, it's our fault, you know, because we're not putting like empty bottles in the toilet tanks to make each flush a little bit less. They're free to like <laughs> yeah. spew every every imaginable kind of dark substance out of every smokestack in in America, yeah. and we're supposed to ignore that. Oh man, but you know, you got to pick that up. You got to throw that Kleenex over here instead of over there. You know, whatever. But it is it is just a a 
it's just a crazy card trick in a way. It's kind of like slight, it's sleight of hand. Like, where's the blame? Where's the blame? You know? And it really turned it into abstraction. Like this is the first year of Captain Planet and the Planeteers. Remember that cartoon oh, yeah, yeah. where it was literally just a cartoon of a one person going like, I love polluting. And then <laughs> through sheer, you know, these teenagers come in and like, yeah, I shouldn't do that. And they throw them out and then the earth goes green again, I suppose. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I mean, Everybody has a lot more lip service or possible education. I don't know how much more has really changed. What's the biggest thing now? NFTs, the biggest like energy sucker you can think of to no discernible Bitcoin. usable. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, it, it's uh, the the, uh, the fact that the the Earth Day people split up into two pretty much warring factions yeah. tells you exactly where everything is going to go, because that that's always going to be the hurdle to fixing the Earth as human beings. It's us. There are just too many very powerful people and and have an earth just exactly the way they like it. And they will fool a lot, half the people into siding with them and then we'll all fight each other. Hey, we're watching it all play out over and over. But the fact that the group that got together to fix everything couldn't stay together is – to me, is just a perfect metaphor. Right. Now, as depressing as and, that and all – Yeah. I guess that Doogie Hauser he also does say at the end, I forgot, he says vote – Vote with your votes as well. Like there is, there is like tiny little nods to that bigger picture, but overall, you're right. It's 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 plastic bottles and toilets. Yeah, it's, it's also a vote with your vote, but it's like, and then not to open up into this this branch of it, but it's like you know we can only vote for the people who are put in front of us, and they're all put in front of us by the people who are you yeah. know um, we're screwing the world this way or that way, and we get to yeah. choose. But the good thing that came yeah. out of this was that you did receive a plaque. I did for your did. possible contributions. Yeah. <laughs> um, and can we can, can we see that right it. now? I yeah, hope the camera can get this. He he brought it. Now you bring this with you everywhere, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Instead of a driver's license. And this yeah. this was made by this is made out of polystyrene, right? <laughs> this will last. This will last longer than all of us. If I have any yeah. say. Um, yeah. It was made with cruder oil than it was made with Chucky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah. Um, so this is this is the uh, Writers Guild Award uh, to Dan O'Shannon. That's me for Time Warner presents the Earth Day special, which I think we we talked about. Was a was a Time Warner uh, literally called this the Time Warner presents the Earth Day special. That's what it's called. That's how it's billed. <laughs> That's how it was. You know, it's in the books. It's not the Earth Day special brought to you by Time Warner. Is they literally took top billing over the planet Earth throughout. Um, and. Um, this is uh, um, this is the plaque that we all voted ourselves as writers in 1990, and <laughs> I do not have, I cannot put this on a wall or put this out. We're seeing it's in a drawer somewhere, um, and I brought it out. <laughs> oh, I thought Zachary. that would become your new calling card. No, I well, I wish. I I joke about carrying it around, but it's such. I I I find it sad a little bit and, and embarrassing. I know writers who have who have only won this in their careers and they have so they have it up in their you know when you walk in the door yeah. you see it where pictures of Jesus used to be. It's like this here's oh there's the Writers Guild Award I won, you know. Um but it's it was just it's just a joke, I'm sorry to say. And I, I hate that it is a joke and I sort of hate looking back and realizing how much we all took it as a joke. It was a hmm. it was just a 20 minute thing we were going to write in the middle of the day. And we let other people worry about it, and it became this big mishmash that we get to joke around about today. But it, you know, like I say, their hearts were in the right place, and I, I wouldn't mind if somebody took a whack at doing something like it again, but knew what they were doing. <laughs> <laughs> how would you? I mean, but how could you actually do it, and it not be corny? 
well, I, I think you don't do that, which is corny. I mean, you you start by you know you start something like that by by eliminating that. If we did that now, you know, you either find the way to do it that's new that hasn't been done a million times, or if it has been done a million times, you just simply you simply don't do it, and you find a tone and you stick to it, you know. And and you and by the way, you treat the audience with a certain amount of respect, you know. You, you treat them as though they're smart enough to come to the table and have the discussion, and um, you know, you don't, you know. Porky Pig and Carl Sagan should never be in the same special. <laughs> <laughs> and e- even if they were in the same special, um, because now you're stepping on one of my pitches, which is <laughs> oh boy, sorry, sorry. <laughs> but I, Porky should have ended the thing with that. That's all, folks. It should have actually had the world ending. I'm amazed. <laughs> yeah. I'm amazed that he did not refer to. I hope that's not all, folks. At the end of this. Uh, but one way that you would do it is you don't give people the same nothing piddly solutions that we have been given since 1990. Mm-hmm. Reduce, reuse, recycle, turn off the light. Like, yeah. even when they do it, like they just did a, a investigative report here in Cleveland where they put cameras in trash cans. Everyone was dutifully you know, putting their recycling in one can and their trash in the other. It all goes to the same dump. Yeah, they yeah. don't do it. It's too expensive. Mm-hmm. They don't care. And that's the kind of thing that makes people shut down and turn everything into the earth's dying. Yeah, it's too bad, huh? Mm-hmm, exactly. Like we're not giving people <laughs> solutions. You know, and then it's kind of like, okay, so so you can raise awareness among the viewers, but, you know, unless, I don't know, I, you'd have to start such a huge movement to get something done. But then immediately you have billions of dollars pumped into the other side to make the people who want to save the world look like idiots. You know, and here comes old Dustin Hoffman. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> well, that's always a risk. <laughs> <laughs> well, as you, Dan, as you go off, uh, of course, to write the next Earth Day special that will make a difference. That <laughs> yeah, will. This will be the one. This together, will be the one. Yeah. it'll change human nature. I want to see SpongeBob. I want to see Doja yeah. Cat. I want to see <laughs> every meme that I, I want to see. The this is fine dog. I want to see them all together <laughs> and talking about how to save the planet. But until that happens, thank you for being here. And is there anything that you wanted to talk about that's coming up that's exciting you? No. No? What? No, no. You're thing. working in a very exciting special that I'm very interested am I, in. Am I? Yeah. I'm, well, for, for Cleveland listeners here, yes, I, I'm working on a documentary about the golden age of Cleveland kids' shows. And uh, it's uh, it's interesting yeah. to go back in time and, and, and just go through tons and tons of old news articles and footage and, and photographs that people just haven't seen in years. And and uh, I'm doing this with a guy named Mike Olszewski, and we digitally recreated the sets of a lot of old Cleveland classic uh, TV shows that cool. baby boomers would have remembered. And um, and it's, we're looking to hopefully finish it in June. So it's uh, it's really fascinating Great. to me. And did you um, – do, ha- do you know of any other – I mean you would know. Because it's you and you know yourself. Um, but did you work on any other TV specials at all through history? TV specials? I don't think so. I was asked to okay, so this write one. the Oscars once, but I didn't. I didn't go. Okay. Um, uh, no, because I think as I write stories and characters, so there's really no yeah. point in me writing. Usually, variety things are like you know, it's that horrible kind of like you know. He's the doctor on a well-known whatever. She's a hooker in the the, the clinically agreed. Yeah. Together, they're our next presenters. You know that that kind of yeah. stuff. And I, I don't. I don't. Well, wait. Although no that was TV pretty movies? good. Although that was pretty good. <laughs> You're back on. <laughs> you know, <laughs> any TV movies? No, no. I um, no. I've done. I've done animated okay. shorts. I've done books. I've done sci-fi and drama and sitcoms. But okay. that's 
I'm afraid that's all. That's right. That's and that's folks. why you are never, ever Coming going back. to be on this show again. <laughs> However, oh. Dan O'Shan, thank you. It's been a complete pleasure to have you. Thank here. you very much. Same here. Yes. All right. Oh, and thank uh, you mother- for coming on. This is this is amazing to have the act, an actual person who's working on something we talk yeah. about. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I, I I earned this baby right here. Yeah. Yes. All right. And we'll be sending you one for 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 from us as well. Yes, Hooray. our network special plaque that everyone gets. Yay. So, it'll be it'll be smaller than that so you can fit it within that clean space around the dust okay. where that used to hang. <laughs> All right, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone, thank you so much. Oh, by the way, uh Mother Earth doesn't die at the end. All right, thank you so much for joining us. <laughs> Bye. Bye.